As always, especially for the benefit of our guests, wanted to point out the gold insert in your service folder that uh, is there for your benefit uh, if you'd like to use it uh, during our sermon study today. Um, as we sort of begin this look at life at work, I actually am going to start with something that people don't always like, but you know, you'll have to humor me today, and that is class participation, okay? So two things. First of all, what you need to do is think, okay? So I probably started already on a bad foot, right? Thinking in the morning, but um, I want you to think about the answer to this question. What was your very first job? And I'm not talking about mom telling you to do the dishes and things. Like, what was your first job that you got, like, a paycheck for? Okay? And as you're thinking about that, the second part of the class participation is this. That as we kind of get to think about the broad scheme of work and jobs, um, I actually want you to share that with a couple or a person next to you. I want you to get to know them. I want you to... Just share, what was your very first job? This was a lot of fun at the first service, so we'll take about a minute to do that, okay? So someone around you, not related to you, if you came to church with them this morning, that doesn't count, um, share what your very first job was. Go ahead. that uh, we've all had very different job experiences in our life. Uh, my very first job um, was at a family-owned restaurant in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin called Rhodes Wooden Wheel. And I was employed there as a um, quality control and cleanliness inspector, um, otherwise known as a dishwasher. And, uh, <laughs> My time of working every week was Sundays right after church. So I'd drive separately, and then I would drive to, to church separately, and then drive to work, and I would spend all day there on Sundays. And they employed me because there they, like many restaurants, had a uh, Sunday breakfast buffet that they needed some extra help with the dishes. Um, not the most glamorous job in the world, and I definitely always dreaded about 1 o'clock, which was when the buffet ended and they would go out, the servers would, to go grab all of the serving pots and pans, and um, there would be, you know, like food kind of caked on, the, caked on the side. Sounds like a really good buffet, doesn't it? Um, but they'd bring four or five carts worth of pans into here, into this, well, basically into the kitchen to me, and I would scrape, and I would scrub, and I would clean, and, um, to be honest, I began to wonder at that time if this whole work thing was really for me. I, I didn't think work and me went together, and uh, in some ways, uh, in some nights, I still have nightmares that include uh, buffet pans that need to be scrubbed. Or maybe your first job experience that you shared um, was a good one. But 
I'm guessing that if you've been working for very long at all, that you've had a job that you weren't crazy about, that there was a occupation, a job uh, that you just weren't really excited about. And the reality is a startling statistic that according to recent research, over 80% of people right now are dissatisfied with the job that they have. And there's lots of reasons for that. Maybe sometimes it's just the overall uh, company culture that just isn't good or encouraging. Uh, maybe sometimes it's uh, because there's this cloud over the job because of the economy. Someone's probably going to be let go and you're always wondering if you're going to be losing your job. Um, maybe um, it's because you just don't find it very fulfilling. You'd like to find something just more fulfilling. There's lots of different reasons, but here's the truth. Four out of, the five, four out of five people in this room have a pit in their stomach tonight because tomorrow morning they're going to a place that they really don't want to go to. And what makes that even more important to think about is that the average person spends 50 to 60% of their awake time hours at work or at the job. Now, sad to say that sometimes we get the impression that that's just the way it's supposed to be because what is it after all? It's work and work is supposed to stink. I mean, isn't it even something that God gave as a punishment and penalty for sin? And, and that's where we get a little bit mixed up as to what the Bible actually says. As we looked at in Genesis chapter 2, and I'm going to reread a verse in just a moment. Here's the truth. When God had the world exactly the way he wanted it, before there was sin in the world, when it was exactly perfect the way he wanted it, he gave Adam in that perfect world work. I'll reread the verse. Genesis 2. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now, after the fall into sin, there were certain penalties that would make work harder. God came to Adam and said, now there's going to be thorns and thistles and you're going to sweat, you know, by the sweat of your brow will you, you know, uh, provide for your family. But work in and of itself, responsibility, a purpose, it was part of God's perfect world. Uh, maybe something else you haven't thought about. Most people maybe think that when you go to in heaven, that basically what we're going to do is kind of do nothing all day, just kind of sit around waiting for the next heavenly choir practice to start. But the Bible actually tells us that in heaven there's going to be responsibilities and there's going to be purpose and, dare I say it, work. Now, I hope I just didn't blow your whole vision of what heaven was going to be like and, you know, now, uh, because truthfully, heaven is going to be the greatest place there ever, you could ever think of. But in that place, God is going to have purpose for us and responsibility. And I think it's important for us as we think about this thing that connects all of us work. <laughs> And we really think about God's feelings about it and what God says about it. Uh, as I said earlier, 
Not everyone here today works. Some of us are too young. Some of us are in our retirement years. Um, some of us um, maybe are unemployed. But the truth is, is that we all have areas of responsibility where these same directives that God gives to us are going to apply. And this first week, what Paul addresses today is one of the things that oftentimes makes people feel dissatisfied with their work, and that's um, purpose. Now, again, if you've worked long enough, I guarantee you that at some point you've asked yourself this question about your job. What's the point in what I do? Is there really an ultimate goal or point in what I do? Um, another quarter goes by. Uh, another um, season goes by. Another project is completed. And, and we think about these things. There is something of futility or monotony, if you've been working long enough, that a person can think about or think of at certain points, especially when work isn't going very well. I'm just selling something, I'm just making something, I'm just cleaning pans at the Sunday breakfast buffet in Beaverdam, Wisconsin. Now some of us feel this more than others, but we've all felt it at one time or another. A sense of what's the point? And the really awesome thing today is that God, believe it or not, he talks about and God in his word addresses that. Something, in fact, that we're going to see today that is so important and big that it can totally change the way you feel tomorrow when you go to work. Now, in order to do that, we're going to turn to Colossians chapter um, 3. And before I read it, I need to give you a little bit of background because Paul talks about kind of a touchy topic. He talks about slavery. And you might get the impression, if just reading these words, that um, Paul's okay with slavery. But if you read the rest of his writings, we notice that he does speak as a Christian against slavery. He, he's not supportive of people being owned and sold. But in this section, it's really not his point to speak against slavery or to um, start some sort of social revolution to tell slaves, run from your masters and masters, free your slaves. Instead, in this particular section, we need to understand his point. What he's doing is he's speaking to the culture of the time, and he's assuming what was true. There is slavery. So now, since there is slavery, how should slaves and masters act? And interact. Colossians uh, chapter 3. I need to turn there quick. Okay. Verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your hearts as working for the Lord not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Working for the Lord is a fruit of faith, basically. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So in this verse, or these verses, Paul is saying, slaves, be the best slaves that you can be. 
and listen and do what your master wants when he's watching, but also do it when he's not watching. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, and these words you won't see on the screen, but Paul also addresses masters, and he says, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know what you also have a, that you also have a master in heaven. So on the other end of things, he says to masters, Masters, be the best masters that you can be, and treat your slaves rightly and fairly and in a godly way. And so you have this spectrum of things that people, two different spectrums. You have slaves on the one end. None of us are owned by anyone. Sometimes kids may think they are, but, you know, no one are slaves or owned by anyone. None of us here are masters and own slaves. All of us fall in between those two spectrums, don't we? Whatever it is you do in your daily responsibilities, it falls somewhere in between there. Paul's addressing us. And there's this very important verse, verse 23, that I want to read again. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, do your best, use your gifts, as if you are working or as you are working for the Lord, not for men. Do you know why many of us don't find purpose or significance in our daily responsibilities? It's because either we've forgotten or we never knew this. Because this verse is a game changer to our lives. One of the reasons why people feel like their uh, job has no purpose is at times because they don't like their boss or their employer or their company. That the boss or the employer is, is um, someone that they don't respect or is unfair. Um, and so we so often work to earn their approval and their acceptance. And certainly we need to respect um, our bosses. But ultimately, at the end of the day, Paul is saying we don't work for them. We don't work for just our company. We don't just work for our boss. You know who we work for, Paul says? You work for the Lord, not for men. Ultimately, Jesus is your boss. You want to meet your boss? I know who it is. It's Jesus. He's the one we work for. Now, sometimes our purpose gets so misconstrued and so difficult that there have been times maybe in your life where you thought, you know, I'm not even going to work for my company I'm just here for myself. I mean, basically, I'm here because I need money, all right? And so I, I am going to listen to the work spiel, but I don't really buy into it. I'm going to tow the company line, but I don't really like the company line, and I don't really like the people I work for or whatever. And it's so easy for us to find our purpose in the people around us or the company that we work for. Whereas, while that's important, that truly your purpose comes from someplace else. That truly our purpose comes from serving someone bigger, serving the Lord. No matter who you are or what you do on a daily basis, school, retirement, work, stay-at-home mom or dad, Monday morning, there can be a brand new 
purpose. If we really take to heart what Paul writes here through God's inspiration. Now to better understand what Paul's talking about here, I think we need to take a couple steps backwards first. We need to understand a moment um, to talk about what the life and purpose or the purpose of life that God has as shared in the Bible and his perspective on purpose. Um, Listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2. He writes, uh, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy or overflowing in love made us alive with Christ even while or when we were dead in transgression. Um, You've ever had a dead-end job? It can feel pretty hopeless. The very real circumstances that the Bible describes for you and I on our own was a dead-end existence. We were dead. Dead to any hope after this life. It was, you know, 50 years, 80 years, whatever it is we live here, nothing. Eternal death. And if there was no eternity and there was no God or Savior, then our very purpose for living would be gone too. And it would be a dead life. But when Jesus came and fulfilled God's promise of a Savior, um, as he died for us, he changed everything. And when we believe in him and have faith, a very real thing happens. We get new life. A brand new life. A brand new life as we think of eternity. A brand new life when you think of purpose. There's new purpose. There's new strength. There's new hope. There's a new boss. Everything for us becomes brand new. And so now Jesus, he becomes the central piece of your heart. And because he's the central piece of your heart, he also then needs to become the central piece of your workplace as a Christian. At least your personal work life. He needs to become the central part of your school life. Elementary school, high school, college counts too. The central place. He becomes the central focus of your retirement years, even when you don't have a normal job anymore. He's the central focus of those years. Listen to what Paul writes in Philippians. I hope I will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ, Christ will be exalted in my body. That when people see me, they see Jesus. When people listen to me, They know my boss, my savior. And in fact, uh, here's a statement that I was thinking maybe you could remember to sort of summarize what we are learning today through God's word. Um, It goes like this. The purpose of work in my life is to glorify God who's at work in my life. Does that make sense? The purpose of work in my life The main purpose is to glorify God who's at work in my life. Now, I realize there could be some pushback to this. 
but then you don't understand what I do for a living. I'm not a pastor. I'm a, a burger flipper at McDonald's, or I work at a factory and make machine parts all day, or I stare at a computer screen all day, or um, I wipe noses, change diapers, and cook meals all day. Well, let's go back to the verse that Paul wrote in Colossians 3, verse 23. He writes, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Now, very interesting thing. I did a, a word study on that first word, whatever. I found this very interesting thing, that the literal meaning to that word, whatever, is whatever. So what that means is whatever you do. It doesn't matter. If you're a stay-at-home parent, if you work at McDonald's, if you work at Rosewood and Wheel, it does not matter. Your boss is God. And you can work to glorify him. How? So do you need to put a little uh, fish symbol on your business cards? That's a way to serve God. Or maybe, uh, you know, if, you're, if you work at a place where you dress up, you need to wear Christian ties. If you're in high school, wear one of those cool Christian t-shirts that have kind of the, 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 the sayings that make you think. Um, yeah, sure, you could do those things. Do you need to invite everyone at school to youth group? You could. Do you need to invite everyone at work to church? For so many years, my mind on this topic was very, very narrow, and I didn't really get it. And I think there's this wonderful little quote from Martin Luther that for some of you is just going to open your mind to a brand new arena in your life that you've never thought about. Please listen closely to these words. They're, they're golden. Martin Luther wrote about our lives. The maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays. Not because she may sing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors. The Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes, because God is interested in good craftsmanship. That's powerful the purpose in whatever you may do today or tomorrow. You don't have to wear a Christian tie or a Christian t-shirt to glorify God in what you are doing. You don't even need to speak his name. Maybe there's that opportunity, but you don't need to. God is glorified when a person takes the abilities and gifts that he has given them and uses them to the very best of their ability. God is glorified when we don't cheat our employer, but that we give an honest day's work. Not because we always like our employer, but because we want to glorify our boss. God is glorified, and we serve him when we don't, as tempting as it may be, join in in certain types of talk and gossip that go on at work. We're glorifying God. When, instead, when we had sometimes hold our tongue 
even after our employer or boss tells us some things that are quite controversial and we don't agree with. But for the sake of glorifying God, we respect his or her authority. You see how easy and how varied the opportunities to serve God in using the gifts and the time he has given you and to live not for your earthly boss, not for yourself, but to glorify him in all that you do. I'd like to close with a, a really quick story. Um, how many of you are familiar with the TV show Undercover Boss? Anyone? That's pretty popular. Um, basically, if you don't know the TV show, what happens is that a CEO of a major company puts on a disguise and he goes out and works with his, you know, his employees to kind of get a better feel for his company or her company. And um, so one of the undercover boss episodes was about the company called Waste Management. I don't know if any of you saw this particular one. But in that, if you saw it, you, were, you met a man named Fred. And as the CEO was commenting on his experience, he said that his most happy or wonderful time was working with Fred. And he said he enjoyed it the most. He, he said he laughed so much that at the end of the day, his side hurt. He just, Fred was just a guy who had purpose and happiness and joy in what he did. Now, for those of you who know the show, know what I'm going to say next. You know what Fred does every day? Fred, at an amusement park in Houston, he cleans out and freshens up porta-potties. Now, I don't know of anyone, maybe you do, but I don't know of anyone who in third grade was said, hey, draw what you want to be when you grow up. I don't know of anyone who would draw that. Or say that. Some of us are not in the places that we thought we might be. And I don't know if Fred is a Christian. It certainly seems like he is. And I don't know why he has this joy and this drive and this sense of purpose in what he does. But here's what I do know. I know how you can have it. By remembering what Paul says to you. that we work for someone bigger than an owner or a supervisor, that we ultimately work for the Lord. And the purpose of work in my life is to glorify God who, has, who is at work in my life. How will that change your attitude tonight when you get ready for work tomorrow? How will that change the way you interact with your coworkers and your management tomorrow? How will that change the effort that you give as you use your gifts to the best of your ability? Tomorrow is this day that we have this awesome opportunity to glorify our boss in whatever we say or do. Amen.